0: I took my kids to Menci's the other day. One of my former students is there. And we're talking for like 20 minutes. And I'm talking to her about why it's important for her to go back to college. Right. Like you, you and those kids are like, Do you remember me? Like, yeah, I remember all of you. Like, yeah, when I see you, I remember every single one of you. Um, like that bond that you have, and to not have a say or a seat at the table when those decisions are being made is just ludicrous. To me.
1: hello this is Jason Roach and welcome to the ace pod a production of the Association of Clovis educators on this episode we talked to another staff member uh, from CTA Ben Avila I think you were really gonna enjoy this episode because he has such a wealth of, of educational experience he was a classroom teacher for 20 years at the same school in Central unified he now works for CTA as a staff member that that works with several local unions in the Central Valley and he is a Clovis unified parent. In this triangulated way, he has a really unique and quite credible view of this debate we are having here in Clovis. So, let's get to it. Ben, welcome to the Ace Pod.
0: Thanks uh, for having me. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for uh, joining us. Um Yep. let's just get started with a little bit of your background. Where Where are you from?
0: I'm born and raised in Fresno, California. I was actually born in Selma Hospital. I, I still don't know why, but but <laughs> I was born and raised in Fresno my whole life.
1: I imagine you don't remember that. that
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't have a I don't have a, a large memory of like being born. Yeah. yeah, for some reason, my whole my brothers and sisters were all born out of Selma. I don't know why.
1: All right. Well, uh, so you, but well, you lived in Fresno. Did you go to school Fresno schools?
0: Yep. Um, product of Fresno Unified Schools. Um, I went to Ewing Elementary, um, K five, um, out on Peach and Olive, out by the airport. It's kind of where I was born and raised. Grew up on the east side. Um, then got bused out to Manchester for sixth grade, which was rough. Um, big culture shock. Yeah. And then CompuTech. And I was supposed to come back to McLean, which was my home school, but I ended up staying out of Edison and graduated from from Edison. So go Tigers! Very proud of that. Nice. Um, but yeah, Fresno Unified School Edi-
1: Edison class of ninety two, class of
0: ninety one. Good,
1: right. close. Yeah, You're close. close yeah. <laughs> yeah. I figured we are uh, pretty close to the same age. Yeah, I was.
0: Yes, class of I was one of those young ones. I was like sixteen when my senior year started.
1: Oh wow! So, right. Yeah, I
0: probably should have been ninety two, but ninety one.
1: All right, um, and then uh, uh, you graduate from Edison, and then you graduated
0: from Edison, and then like there was a couple year hiatus there. I ended up I had a had a daughter very young, who's now a teacher in Central, which is awesome. Um, but then took a couple years off, and then thought I got to go to college because I gotta I gotta show her, right? I can't tell her I gotta show her. She's got to see like mm-hmm. this is what you're supposed to do. Um, so yeah, went off to Fres- went to Fresno State. Um, you know, raising her at the same time. Graduated from Fresno State, got my um, bachelor's there. Um, interned in Central Unified, so I actually had to get my credential through National so I could work during the day and teach at night. And then came back to state um, later on for my master's.
1: All right, so um, you you teaching in Central Unified. What do you? What grade level? What subject?
0: I did fifth grade for a year there and then um, the rest the other 19 years were all you know it's a blur actually probably still did 20 and third Um, it was weird how I was hired it was back in those days right where they would like give you a job when you didn't have hardly anything they were offering me a job when I didn't even have my bachelor's yet I'm like I don't think I can you can hire me yeah Um, but they hired me like as a long-term sub and then um, it was it was weird how I was like teaching there but not really um credentialed but anyways yeah third grade for like 20 years um, before I sadly had to had to leave not I didn't have to leave the classroom but chose to
1: that that's a pretty long time for a single grade that's a fairly unique isn't it
0: yeah I I, from everybody I talked to I guess it is um I and I loved fifth when I taught it and I I loved working with that because it's funny when I was in college i was a I was working in school, so I was a aide in a kinder class for like three years in college, so I've like worked with all different um elementary groups, but yeah, I guess being in one grade level for like twenty years is is an anomaly. I loved teaching third though I really
1: did yeah you must- you must have wanted. so what was it about third graders that
0: you know I don't know it's they're just that age that like they're finally getting old enough to where – they would understand some of your jokes, right? The 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 witty kids, the smart ones would get it. You know, half the kids wouldn't. But um, and they were just kind of maturing and coming into their own. That's like a year where they're starting to mature and come into their own as like a they're not toddlers and stuff anymore. Right. So it was a pretty good year to like really work with kids and and teach them, you know, what's important um, growing up. So yeah, that's yeah. why I really liked it. It,
1: yeah. it seems like an age that you can really see, yeah. You know, the growth, the maturity, but yeah. then still not, you know, not all the, the
0: innocence. Yeah, yeah, still innocent. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. All right. So, and you, you did all these, all, all, all these years in Central Unified, then.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I was gonna. So when I got out of college, well, that time where you could do seventy-five units in your C best. Right away when I hit that point, because I had a daughter, right? So I'm like, I got to make money and yeah, go to yeah. school. I got to figure out yeah. how to do this. Um, I, I went to sub right away and went to Fresno Unified, because that's where I was from. I was just assuming I'm going I'm to work in Fresno Unified. You know, that's all I knew. I didn't even know about other districts. Um, and I, well, they had a hiring freeze. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I heard Central was hiring for, for subbing. So I went out there. And right away, they were offering me. A, I was a male bilingual willing to teach primary like that's right. yeah. a unicorn right like so as soon as they saw me they were like trying to suit me up to to work there so yeah I, I stayed out there the whole time
1: and you, you mentioned during your undergrad you were you were working in kindergarten um, did you kind of always know you were you know I'm always fascinated people come to yeah. teaching in various ways you know some people always like know from when they're five years old they want to be a teacher <laughs> and then they're uh, yeah. People like me who graduate college and like, I don't know what the hell I want to do um, and kind of stumble into teaching, but it kind of sounds like you had a little bit of a, a plan. You would think, <laughs>
0: um, but I was, I was probably more like you. Like, um, yeah, growing up, it's funny. I, when I was in school, I always said I would never be a teacher. Like, and, and the reason being like I was not the best student. Um, like if, if I felt like my teacher cared about me, I was a great student, but if I felt like my teacher did not, I was just a terror. Um, And because of that, I always felt like, man, I will never be a teacher because I don't ever want to go through what I've put my teachers through. Um, You know, you, you obviously feel bad about it later as you mature. Um, But no, I, when I was going to college, when I first started college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I just knew, like I said, I want to go to, I need to go in my mind. I was like, I need to go to college because I have to graduate college. I don't want to tell my daughter what to do. I want to show her. Right. Right. I don't want to be that person. So I've got to do this, you know, for her. Um, but then really quickly I had friends who, who were a couple of years ahead of me because we, even though we graduated at the same time, they started right away. They were talking about going into education. Some of them work in schools and it was a good job to get as an aide for like three hours and then I could still go to college. Right? right. It was, it was a good gig to to do. And right away I realized like, I am really good with like, I always from just day one, I was really good with kids and all the teachers would tell me like, you need to go into this. I still didn't want to, but, um, it just seemed like it was something, you know, like they talk about a calling, like it really was like something yeah. just like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I'm good at this and I enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I, I that it just kind of found me, if that makes sense.
1: No, it totally does. I mean, that's my experience too. As soon as yeah, you might not know that you want to do it, but then once you start doing it, you're like, oh yeah, this yeah. is what I this is what do.
0: I'm meant to do. Yeah, yeah right, like exactly. I'm 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 tailor made for this, is what I yeah. felt. like. Yeah.
1: So some you know we're talking sometime around the year 2000 that you're you're starting. Yeah, with. that I probably yeah, because
0: I remember being, I remember already being there like when 9/11 happened. Yeah. I'd already been there. So yeah, 99, 2000. And um,
1: were you at the same school the whole time or? Yeah, I
0: was, I was, I started at um, Teague elementary way back then. And that's where I was, like I said, I subbed a little bit, but Teague is where I got hired. I, I long-term sub for a teacher who got sick. Um, I like subbed there, but then they asked me to finish out the year, but all, all my years at, at Teague, um, which is like one of the schools that, It's a rough school. It's one of the lowest, not one of probably the lowest socioeconomic school in the district. But I was, I grew up like those kids, so I never wanted to leave that place. Like I always felt like this is what I got into teaching for to help these kids because I I was them, (laughs) Um, and I would talk to them about that all the time. Like I grew up just like you guys, right? So yeah, it was always all twenty years were were at Teague,
1: and then yeah, during the that twenty years, uh, Central's a union district, so you start to uh, somehow you get you know, connected to, to the union. Talk yeah. A yeah.
0: That's a crazy story too. Cause I never, I mean, I've always been very pro union pro labor, obviously. Right. Um, but I, I did not get involved in the union. Um, it was an inter It was when I was getting my master's. So this is probably four years into teaching. I got my master's degree and it was funny because we, there was a group of us, like eleven of us, that all got our masters together, and like nine of us were all teaching there at Teague. Um, so much so, like such a big group that some of the classes they brought them out to us at Teague as we we're getting our masters. Um, but this is kind of how I got involved in union stuff. Um, we were we had graduated, we were getting our masters. Our union president at the time came to to us as the group and said, "Hey." You know, there's a big group of you guys getting your master's. I kind of want to talk at the at the school board. I just want to, because she's like, we have time at the school board meetings. Like, we get five, ten minutes to just talk about, you know, good stuff that's happening in our district. <clears throat> and I'd like to talk about you guys, you group of teachers getting your master's. Um, would you guys come and just do, like, five, ten minutes about what you got your master's about? Um, you know, what what your master's was in. And we're like, yeah. Like, we all said, sure, sounds Great, right? Like we'll go to you know school board meeting and talk about you know what we've been doing. And our, our there was three of us that kind of were working on the same um, thesis together. And it was we were pulling data from Central Kids and showing um, math instruction and how it was it was re- working really well with our students. So I know this is like a like how does this tie into the union stuff? But so we were going to present on this and we pulled data from Central Kids and how well they were doing if they were taught, you know, um, it's called cognitively guided instruction. So like how well they were doing if they were taught this way, if they had one year of it, two years of it, three years of it. We pulled this data, we're going to present it and everything. And we're like, oh, this is going to be cool. Um, they, they asked us to go first, me and my my two colleagues, because we'd already presented some of this stuff. And um, it was really crazy. We get a call one morning, like, you guys can't present this at the school board meeting. <laughs> and we're like, Why? Like, I don't understand. Like, that's fine. But like, what's, what's wrong with it? And like, well, we need to talk to you guys about it. So they call us in.
1: This is administration or this
0: is, this is superintendent and assistant superintendent, right? right. This is academic officer and superintendent. All of a sudden, we have a meeting at, at, in the superintendent's office and we're like, what is going on? Like, you I don't just, understand. You just wanted to go talk
1: about your master's degree. <laughs> right,
0: like, I'm like, I I just, somebody asked us and, and yeah. all we're talking about is the good work that's being done in the district. So I yeah. don't, like, if you don't want us to talk, fine, right? We were yeah. like newer teachers. So like, I don't want to rock the boat here, Um, but we go and they're like, look, you can't talk about this stuff because board members aren't going to understand. And we're like, okay, but we're not the ones that were asked. Like this is actually our, our thesis. I'm not going to change the data in my thesis. So what, what do you, what are you asking us to do here? Um, anyways, long story. Like they, they were totally trying to censor what we were saying. We found out later, right? You're just this wide eyed teacher who really, especially us elementary teachers, like just we think puppies and candy canes all the time and everything's just going to be great. Um, And it was a real eye-opening experience into how things are so political.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, it was a newer group of people that had come in at the district office, didn't like this program that was being implemented, and didn't like the fact that we were going to show that it was showing success with students. This was, I mean, you remember this time, right? This was the big direct instruction, like, you spoon feed kids answers, and everybody's got to be on the same page and all that. That's what they wanted to bring in. And they were like, you guys are in the way. You need to just shut up and get out of the way. Um, And that was our first kind of foray into That opened my eyes to like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And why don't we have more of a voice? How could we just be silenced like that? And nobody says anything about it. Um, And so that got me involved in like becoming a site rep at my site. And then really quickly, um, because my site rep wrote me in and then she left. So then now I'm, I'm the, she was like, there'll be two of us. No. Um, she left right away. Um, and then it was just me. And really quickly I got on the bargaining team. Um, as I started learning more um, and understanding how things work, I ended up on the bargaining team and then it ended up being lead negotiator pretty quickly thereafter. Um, and then I became elementary at large representative. So I represented um, we have 800 teachers or had, I still feel like I worked. I still yeah, yeah. feel like a third grade teacher. I always will. Right. Um, we had 800 members in our local. So um, I, I became elementary at large representative. So repping all the elementary sites as an elementary representative um, on the bargaining team and on the executive board. Um, and then learned about bargaining and how all that worked and just, just how unfortunately political things get um, and how, how much people are just looking to control teachers and 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 not let us really have a say in what's going on in our day-to-day lives. So that was really my intro into to union work and just just trying to really have a voice for the teachers at my site initially, just and and not in a disrespectful way. Like I always got along. I mean, you could talk to any principal I've ever had. I always got along really well with them. We always had an open door policy, and I would always make it a point to like, hey, let's have a standing meeting every week. That way we just you know, if there's nothing to talk about, we can just sit and talk, but yeah. we need to have this relationship where I can come to you with issues and tell you so we can be proactive about solving things at the site. Um, and that's how I always tried to try to work things, even as I moved up into exec board stuff with superintendents and assistant superintendents and just, like, let's talk. Um, and I always had really good relationships with with all of them, I feel like. I mean, maybe they hated me and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but
1: I don't think yeah, so. I, I mean, <laughs> I think this is one of the craziest uh ideas that comes with, you know, union busting is this notion that somehow you're not going to be allowed to have a friendly relationship with the administrators. I worked in Fresno Unified for a decade. Um, I had several, you know, very good relationships with administrators. Uh, One administrator where at one school I worked, (laughs) we did not get along. And then I worked at (laughs) another school and we had a great relationship. Um, And then, you know, one of my former principals, I still... Um, I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but I play I play pickleball now because I'm old and that's as much uh, physical activity as I can take. But we like I play pickleball with them. So yeah,
0: I I still I I have a fantasy league that I'm a commissioner of, and one of my former principals is in my fantasy league, (laughs) and and I still talk to him every once while. Gone gone to his house, you know, for poker night and stuff. Like it it doesn't have to be adversarial at all, as long as you know, as long as they're not trying to take advantage. And that's That's, that's different, but most, most principles that I had, um, were good in that, in that there was a couple that, that were not, and, you know, unfortunately we teachers had to speak up, (laughs) but I mean that, you know, that was in best interest of everybody. You know, we, we worked with community and everybody always like classified parents, like anytime we were doing something important. We always worked with the community and and the rest of the staff to make sure we were doing what was in the best interest of the school.
1: Yeah, I think though that you just brought up an interesting point that you know you know, most educators at some point in their life are going to work with you know administrator that just isn't very good. Uh, yeah, right. And yep. you gotta ha- you gotta have uh, an ability to stand up and you know speak out and, and man, just having a union really makes that a whole lot easier.
0: Yeah. I, I can tell you there was one, I mean, we, I, unfortunately, like I said, because it was such a low SES site, we had high turnover for administrators. We just did like P it was a hard place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably had over those 20 years, I probably had like 13 principals. Wow. Um, and yeah, they weren't, you know, most of them were, were really good, but they weren't always the best. And that, that, ability to have a voice and for us to work together. Um, there was, there was a time, the, the one I was thinking of earlier, like that, where community was, was not happy. Classified was not happy. Teachers were not happy. And we all kind of worked together to talk to upper admin, like, Hey, this, this is not a good situation, a good fit. Um, this is just a bad hire, right? Like we need to do something about this. Um, and having that voice and being able to, to, respectfully right but come to administration and say hey this this we need to do something here because we're losing a lot of staff members we're losing a lot of people and if something isn't done you know we're we're going off the rails here um but being able to speak up like that and not worry about repercussions i mean teachers always worry about repercussions but at least you know you you know that you're still going to have a job as long as you're doing your job well um that ability to speak up is really, really important. I I That's one of my main reasons of, of becoming part of the union, that we have a voice. Because 99% of the time, teachers want what's best for the kids. We really do. Um, I know there's this misnomer out there that we don't, that we're somehow these selfish, greedy teachers. But um, we just want what's best for the kids. Um, and so if, you, if you're not in union districts, it's a lot harder to speak up for those kids. And unfortunately they don't always get the best education because of that.
1: Yeah. So you're at Teague. Yeah. You uh, are a site rep. You're this uh, elementary kind of overall Not large. Rep. Yeah. Yeah. On bargaining teams, um, your lead, lead negotiator. Yeah. Um, and at this time you would have, uh, someone, uh, you know, standing at your side from CTA, what was, yes. what was your experience? What was their role while you were the lead negotiator on the bargaining team?
0: Um, their help is invaluable or was invaluable to me, um, especially early on because, you know, I didn't, as I did it over the years, I, I needed less and less help, right? I could, I could take the training wheels off. I could go to meetings and not necessarily, or go to bargaining sessions and not necessarily always need to have them with me sitting next to me but um they explained to me school finance how how school finance works how much money my district actually has right like yeah cola might be five percent but here's what your district's actually getting it's actually this much more or this much less um, here's what they can afford here's how much they're spending on your salaries here's other bargaining contracts and what they look like so if you're if if you were if you're looking at lowering class sizes Here's resources to help you understand what it would cost, what, it, what you would need, what it would need to look like, and other uh, contracts that you can borrow language from. Um, just uh, early on was invaluable. I, so my first PCS um, primary contact staff was Caroline Gonzalez, and then she left us and, and moved up to bigger and better things. Um, and then I, when I left, my staff member was Brian McNally. They were both awesome in training me and teaching me how to bargain, what was important, right? How to, how to even just my first CTA training that I went to was a site rep training down in, in San Luis. And that's where I learned at one of the sessions, like, Hey, have a standing meeting with your principal, because if you don't, and it was really good advice, if the principal only sees you when you're going to come complaining about something, because the teachers were complaining, they're going to be trained like Pavlov's dog that just hates to see your face. (laughs) So don't right. only meet with them when you're griping have a meeting so that you guys can build a relationship so that when you do need something they know where you're coming from because you've right. built a relationship like things like i mean that's just one example right just really invaluable stuff that that i learned along the way from from all of them from going to trainings um, about school finance and all of that that was invaluable so i mean as as years went on i i got because they you know they taught me about all this stuff um I was able to, to probably take on more, but early on, it was, you know, it was a little nerve wracking being my first year being bargaining chair, even my first year being on a bargaining team. You're not used to, you know, when you're in bargaining, the relationship is, is I'm trying to see my hands. Relationships like, like, um, we're on a podcast and we can see my hands where it should be even, right? Yeah. That's right. We're on a podcast. Um, the relationship should be balanced, right? It's an e- you're equals in that room when you're bargaining. But that's a really hard thing for teachers to let go because you see them as your boss. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to push back. You don't want to ask for things. You don't want to say this is what should be happening because you're scared of that relationship because that's your boss. But really in bargaining, you're equals. Right. So learning that took a few years. Um, so really having, having that ability to, to have them in the room with us, having the ability – to go to coordinated bargaining sessions and talk to everyone else around in the county, other bargaining chairs, where I could sit down and and listen to them. Like, what are you asking for? Um, what are some things that's going on in your local that that you know is also pertinent to us? And can we bounce ideas off each other and learn from each other too? So, networking was was really huge, too. That that unfortunately, a lot of districts, if they're not union, don't don't really get that right? I mean, you get to talk to teachers in other districts. I know plenty of people in Clovis, right. I have a ton of friends that went over there, but it's anecdotal, right? You don't actually get to sit down with other people and really look at at numbers and data and all that stuff.
1: yeah, we had uh, talked to Brandon in the last episode, and you know he talked a lot about uh collective bargaining and, and it just yeah. seems that you know being part of that larger network just is seems really invaluable and now you know you've left the classroom and now you're. Yeah, you hear that. Uh, what's the position called again?
0: Primary. Now I am the primary contact yes. staffer. Right? Yeah, now I am Carol, my former Caroline and my former Brian um, McNally. So, yeah, it, that was a tough transition. And I, I always thought I would be a teacher, and I thought I'd retire a third grade teacher. Like, I never, I never thought I would, I would ever leave the classroom. Um, but I was, I was, you know, asked to – it was during COVID. And any teacher out there knows like that, that COVID year, right. When we were teaching on zoom just was like, we all hated it. Like any parents out there, we hated it too. Okay. It was, no one was happy in that environment. Um, We, I was asked, Hey, do you want to come work for CTA for a little bit? Um, While, you know, for a few months. And so I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do that because I don't, want to go back to this zoom teaching right i figured i'm going to go do that for a few months and then when we come back in person i'll be back um but i i really did enjoy this part of the job too because i i do feel like i can help a lot of teachers and educators and kids um in the role that i'm at
1: let's just linger on that point because you know that it's a nice little you know um slogan but you know, teachers' working conditions really are. You know, the students' learning conditions. Isn't, yeah, they are. You know, I mean, it cliche. It might be cliche, but sometimes cliches, you know, kind of are really uh, yeah. kind of get to the really profound root of of what we're trying to do. So, yeah. yeah, talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I know it sounds crazy to think like from my position, how would I be helping kids, right? But I don't know how many times I've been in a in a bargaining session with other teachers and like, let's just talk about finances, right? Where I'll be like, wh- why are you, why are you hoarding a million dollars in this fund over here? Like the, ta- and I don't know how many times I say this in the room, right? The taxpayers of California gave you that money to spend on students and services. That's what like, we gave it to you for to spend on kids this year, not five years from now kids, right. like, these kids right now, How are you spending money on them? Because that's what you're supposed to be doing. And so that's what we're advocating for in the room, right? Like get like whatever, you know, I'm removed from the situation now, unfortunately. So it's a little bit different because, you know, when I was bargaining chair, I knew my district in and out. My role now is more advisory and I can come in and talk to those teachers and say, okay, you guys know better what needs to happen in this district. I don't, but I can tell you the finances and where money is maybe being hidden or they can talk to me about look, we need more recess time for the kids. How do we advocate for that? And I can help with those things. Um, One of the things we got in our district when I was bargaining chair was an hour lunch. And one of the ways we got it was talking to the district about, look, I know you're getting complaints and calls from parents that um, the kids aren't getting enough time to eat. I know you are because I hear it. I I hear parents complain to me because I hear kids come in from lunch saying I only got five minutes to eat. Like I sat as soon as I actually sat down they told me I had to pick up my food and throw it away. So I'm like, can we get And there's all this research to show that kids need more playtime, right? It'll, it'll take um, behavior down in the classroom. If you can give them more time outside that where they can play. So things like that, where people think, Oh, we're just being greedy and want an extra hour lunch. No, it was like, the kids need time to eat. They literally are not eating. Yeah. And they're just throwing mounds and mounds of food away and they need more time out there to play. Um, and and that was a big thing we got. So l- l- things like that are things that we're always advocating for.
1: And by the but, way, by the way, you also teachers deserve more prep time, which is a big conversation yes. that we're having yeah. right now in Clovis Unified. And yes, you know, an hour lunch. You know, I imagine most of those teachers are spending that hour, you know, doing doing work.
0: Yes, um, elementary teachers. I mean look, yeah, it's their hour duty free lunch, but most of us, especially Monday through Thursday, maybe on Friday, you go out to lunch with your friends for like 20 minutes, but Monday through Thursday, you're working through your lunch. Like you're powering through a sandwich for five minutes and the other 55 minutes, you're running copies, grading papers, meeting with kids, um, dealing with behavior stuff at lunch. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it helped the teachers a lot too to give them an extra 15 minutes to do whatever they needed to do. Um, so it was a win for everybody. I mean, it, it everybody won in that situation. So those are, you know, things that that the union pushed for um, that, that we got for the kids, for parents, for everybody. I mean, I think everybody was probably happy with that, except for maybe, I don't know. It might have made it more difficult for admin bringing the kids through. I don't know, but hopefully everybody understood the importance of it.
1: Okay, so um... – you're in this role as CTA, but you're also, um, you're a Clovis parent, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. So I'm in, <clears throat> I'm in this role now as so I ended up staying full time with, with CTA. I ended up getting a job. Um, I have 19 unions now or locals that I'm the primary contact staff for. Um, and then I have three children in Clovis unified. So I live, you know, in the area. Um, and yeah, I got, I have, one in junior high and I have two in elementary.
1: Right. Uh, And then they're going to Clovis East, right?
0: They will eventually their feeder school will be Clovis West. So Casner, Nelson, Clovis West are my, I'll, I'll just shout out those schools. Um, Yeah. And I, and my, my kids love it there. Um, And I, and I've loved all my kids' teachers too. Like they've, they've been great.
1: Nice. Yeah. So, you know, you have the, all this kind of experience, 20 years in a union district. Now you're working kind of from the the CTA side. Um, you know, and maybe just talk about this prep thing because I know uh, this is a big issue with our elementary school teachers in close Unified. What are what are kind of real specific things that maybe uh, you've helped one of your 19 school districts? Yeah. Chain, or maybe you guys got in central that, you know, kind of dealt with that, that issue of prep time.
0: Well, the hour lunch in central was huge. I, I, so there's that story and I can go into that too, but I can tell you as, so with just one example very recently, like this is, we're just talking a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, and one of the locals that I work for, and I won't say the name, um, because they're about to ratify I, the teachers just voted on it. So it's, it's ratified. It's passed. Um, but the prep time was a big, big issue. The kids, um, the their instructional minutes were shorter than most. So the kids were getting out at, I can't remember the time anymore. I had all this memorized and we were bargaining this. It was like one something though, the kids were getting out, K3 students. And the district wanted to extend the time, wanted the kids to get out at like two something, add 30 minutes to the day. And we were like, look, this is great. I get it. Kids need more instructional minutes. We don't have a problem with that, right? Like, I, we totally understand that. Um, and, and talking to the teachers, like, okay, where are we at? What do you guys need? What do you guys want out of this? And it was very clear that teachers were okay with this, but they didn't want to lose instructional minutes. I'm mean, sorry, prep minutes. Like, they're like, we have prep time, and we're going to lose some of this prep time if we increase the duty day. So we started trying to get creative about, well, how can we – how can this be a win for everybody? How can you guys have your prep time protected, but the kids get extra time in the day because they need the extra instructional minutes. Parents would be happier. Cause I would get it. I mean, I was thinking to myself, look, if I'm a parent and I have a kid in second and I have a kid in fifth and I got to show up at like one, something to pick up my third grader, but I come back 30 minutes later and pick up my fifth grader. Like I'm probably not very happy. About that, right. Like I, I get that. Um, so yeah, let's solve this problem for everybody. So we got very creative. We, um, they had PE teachers already elementary PE teachers that would come in for 30 minutes twice a week. And we said, Hey, could we make that protected prep time? But can we add 10 minutes to that? Can we make it 40 minute blocks twice a week where it's protected teacher prep time? We kind of went back and forth on that district agreed. Okay. Yes, we can do that. Um, they have some music time. They have other times where we built some time within the day where the teachers could still have their prep time protected. We also to help with issues, with behavior issues, that they, they were having talked about um, lowering some class sizes. They had some higher class sizes in the primary grades, higher than, than most around. We, It's going to be gradual over like three to four years, but they're going to drop them down to this 24 to one average. They're going to get back down to um, TKK. They're going to follow state guidelines because it's looking like TK right now is probably going to be 20 to one with a 10 to one ratio, right, of adult to student. Um, but And they were able to get all of that, get this prep time protected. Lower class sizes and an eleven percent one like on salary raise. Um, so that I think that's a really good example of like working. And we really were working with the district the whole time, um, like trying to bring K three teachers along and and going back out to them and explaining, hey, here's how it's going to look. We understand the the issue of not wanting to lose prep time, but if we were able to do these things, could you guys live with this deal? Um, same thing in bargaining with the district. Like, okay, here's what the teachers need. How can we work this so that everybody's happy? So that was a really good, I mean, it took like six or seven meetings of bargaining, but, um, I think we left off in a place where everybody was happy. Um, I think the district was happy. They got what they wanted They in- increased instructional minutes. Teachers, they lost maybe about probably 10 minutes of prep time a day. They ended up losing. Um, but they also have five you know, big chunks of prep time protected. It wasn't protected in the contract before. It never said after school was prep time. Now it does. All of these minutes are now protected that they get all of this time. Um, so I think that was a good example of like a win-win for everybody. I know prep time is a huge issue everywhere in elementary, but the good thing is if you have, you know, collective bargaining, you can sit down and negotiate these things. Like I said, like what we negotiated in this district, um, so it was, you know, I, they were all happy. They they voted. Ninety five percent of the teachers voted to accept the deal. So I think it was it was a win win for everybody. Like I said, and I think administration was happy because and the board because they got their extra. Um, I think they added thirty minutes of instructional time to the day for the kids. So that I mean that's great for kids, right? More time that they get to spend at school with a credential teacher, not somebody after school that that is maybe a college student that. You know, doesn't know about teaching. Doesn't maybe work well with kids. They get to spend more time at school with credentialed teachers. Teachers get to keep their prep time. The kids get lower class sizes. Parents always want that, right? The pa- class sizes are going to get lowered, and the teachers got a good a good raise also on top of that.
1: Man, I just love that. It's just really such a good story about the the kind of power of collective effort, but also of, you know being seen as a partner, not. As an enemy right that yeah, So you know, we come to the table and hey, everybody's got these um you know kind of needs and wants, and we could come together and we can make a good deal for everybody
0: yeah, it was a lot of spitballing at the table right of like, hey, what about this idea? will this work right I don't know, let's go back you know, the district would be like we had to go talk to transportation, right there's a lot right. of moving parts, yeah, yeah, to, to bargaining, but yeah, it was it was a great story of like you know, we didn't always agree in the room, right. and that's why you need, you know, the collective bargaining, and and you need a primary contact staff person where I could come in and say, well, look, here's the money they have, here's here's other districts, you know, prep time, how they work things. Here we could do the PE thing, we could do the music thing. Here's everyone else's class sizes, so you could afford this. You know, you can make this work. Um, so there, it wasn't always, you know, kumbaya in the room, but we were really working together. Spitballing ideas to try to help each other make this work. You know, they were helping us with. Go back and you know, can you can you go back and explain this to the teachers? And we were helping them with. Can you go back and explain this to the board? <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, it was. It ended up being a great story. Yeah, for sure.
1: And um, you know, it, it's like we don't always have to agree everything on everything, yeah. right? the The point is to to normalize. You know, and you talked about this earlier that it's hard to overcome as a teacher on a bargaining team, right, kind of talking as equals when your administration is across the table. But that having these kind of difficult conversations that are about, you know, difficult, complicated issues. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things that we don't think about, like transportation, and yeah, all the all this stuff. But um,
0: Uh, let me give you just one, like, real quick story on that, too, like you were saying, because one of the one of the nice things about me coming into this role and being a teacher for 20 years i understand where they're coming from and how teachers are thinking because in my mind i am one right um so i was at a table in another district and i couldn't believe administration talking to them like um they wanted them to just come in early before school and work for free like no we're not going to pay you hourly rate or anything and and i'm like do you like? Do you know how insulting that is to them? And I told told administration, look, I'm going to – and this is what I think is important too. This is why I bring this up. I'm going to tell you what they're thinking, but they don't want to say it to you because they work for you. But I don't, so I'm going to tell you exactly what they're thinking right now. You are insulting them because you're telling them basically they took a vow of poverty, and they just need to deal with that and suck it up and work for free all the time. Like, right. no, that you have no idea how insulting what you – and he was like, that's not what I said. And I said, but that is what you said. That is what you insinuated to them that they're just expected to like, because he was like, well, you guys knew what you were getting into when you became teachers. And I was like, no, no. And I told him the the profession has changed over when I started to now over these past 20 years, the amount of work that has been placed on them has just grown exponentially. And to just tell them like, you're just supposed to suck that up and work for free. Whenever we tell you to, I was like, it's so insulting to them. And they don't want to tell you that. And he was—I could tell he was kind of upset at me telling him that. He got over it though. And afterwards, when we went to lunch, the teachers were like, "We're so glad you said that because yeah, that's exactly what we were thinking." Yeah. But you know, they don't always feel like they can voice that to right. sure. So that's just another kind of example, too. Sorry, um, right, cut, cut off your next question.
1: No, yeah, earlier you—I uh, just want to—you um, know, it is. I think you, you know, Clovis is this kind of. Uh, kind of exists in many ways in you know, on an island and um union unionization is quite mysterious to to a lot of us in the district. Um, and you talked about that you use the word protected. Can you just clarify what what does that mean that that you know something in a in you know great an agreement is protected.
0: Great point. So yeah, once it's once we bargain it and it's written in the contract. That's what we follow. right? Both sides agree to it. So neither side should be breaking what's in the collective bargaining agreement that now becomes the agreement. And it's like law. Right. If they if they violate that, then there's repercussions to violating what is in a contract. So whatever is in a contract is protected on both sides. Right. There's there's times where administration gets something that they really want in a contract and the teachers capitulate to that and say, okay, fine. We'll we'll go ahead and do X, Y, or Z, right? We'll stay an extra 15 minutes from now on, right? We'll we'll stay an extra hour a week for staff meetings, or right? There's times where where the teachers union is like, okay, we'll we'll grant you that because we feel like we understand why you're asking for that, um, but it's protected, right? Both sides have agreed to it. It is now contract language. It is protected time, um, and if you don't have it. And that's something we had to explain to these teachers, right, that got the 11% maybe feel like they lost 10 minutes a, a day. It's like, really, if you look at on paper, you gained a lot because nowhere in that contract did it say you got that time. It was just being given to you now, but they could easily next year say, you know what, never mind. You, you don't get that prep time anymore. And because it's not written in a contract anywhere, there's nothing you can do about it. Now that it says in the contract their after school time is prep, it's prep. Like the, the district has to follow it, or there's repercussions to violating the contract.
1: So what what do we have right now in Clovis?
0: I don't know what you guys have. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not sure. Well, you guys have have Brandon, right? You, yeah. You guys aren't aren't union right now, so I honestly don't even know how it works for you guys. I know you guys have a quasi group that meets with the admin, right? But there's no power to it. There's no teeth to it. Do you guys have a CBA? I don't even know what you guys have, we, I mean, no.
1: I, would, I mean, I guess we just have a bunch of agreements. Yeah. You got a
0: bunch of handshakes, right? I mean, and that's only, yeah. only goes as far as, I mean, you, you, that was always my fear when I was a teacher. Things that aren't written down are only as good as that person you're talking to now. Right. We all know those people and positions change. Um, and then what happens, because this is what, I, what we always have to defend against in a contract like what happens when you get that principle because we've all worked for them if you've worked as long as you and i have right
1: yeah that is
0: just a jerk yeah and will take every effort to just violate things and have it out for somebody just because they you know they met them day one and didn't like the shoes they were wearing and now i hate this teacher and i want to get rid of him. and and if there's no protections um it becomes very difficult so yeah i mean i I don't. I think you guys pr- technically would have no guaranteed prep minutes because you have no collective bargaining agreement to protect it with.
1: So, collective bargaining agreement has the force of law, right?
0: Yes, yes. And
1: right now, we just have a bunch of handshake agreements, and depending upon you know the site administrator, you might get a lot of prep time, or you might get you know asked to attend a lot of meetings. And yeah, and, and there's <laughs> that, there is no recourse in that.
0: No, right now you guys would have no recourse because there's no, you have no CBA. You have no, there's nothing, no one to complain to because there's no collective bargaining agreement there. And I, I have a lot of friends in Clovis and that's, you know, when I would talk to them, they would say, yeah, but you know, things are are good. And it's like, yeah, well, that's fine. If things are going good, you don't have to change any of that. That's good. Um, and it doesn't have to be adversarial.
1: Let's codify it. Right. Exactly.
0: Let's write it down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If both sides are agreeing to it. Yeah. Let's have a collective bargaining agreement that writes down what both sides are in agreement to. What's what's wrong with that, right? If and if either side isn't okay with that, that should be fishy to you, right? Like, yeah, right. if if it's not okay for you to just codify this, why? What? Why do you not want to just write down what we've both agreed to? Um, so yeah, it. And I I get that. Like you don't want to fix something that's not broken, but you do want to have a voice and a seat at the table. Yeah. That's, that's right. You guys are so important. Um, you guys are so important to the day, right? I think it was Socrates, right. That said, all you need to have a school is a teacher and a student. Mm-hmm. That's all you need, yeah. right? You don't, you don't need anything else. Everything else is there to just help that relationship. Um, so you guys are so important. We teachers, right. I still am a teacher too. I teach at state, but um are so important to that relationship or like right. It's half of that relationship and to not even have a say in that relationship is just a broken system it to is. me, Yeah, right? Like you should have a huge say in that relationship because you're the one that deals with that student day to day and teachers have the most love for their kids more than anybody else. People in district yeah. offices, their, their numbers on a spreadsheet. Yeah. That you guys, their faces, names, and people. They're real,
1: they're real human beings, yeah.
0: Yeah, that yeah, you, they, I mean, I, I see yeah. my kids, I took my kids to Menci's the other day. One of my former students is there and we're talking for like 20 minutes and I'm talking to her about why it's important for her to go back to college, right? Like you, you, and those kids are like, do you remember me? Like, yeah, I remember all of you. Like, yeah, when I see you, I remember every single one of you. Um, Like that bond that you have and to not have a say or a seat at the table when those decisions are being made, is just ludicrous to me. All
1: right. I, I think that's the perfect place to end. I would normally ask, you know, why is ACE the answer? But I think, I think you, an, you answered it, right? Yeah. That, that, Hey, if, if we agree that everything's going well, then why don't we just, let's, let's codify it. And, yeah. and educators working with kids every day, you know, are the ones that, that know them. Uh, and we should just have that. Equal and, at the table And love
0: those kids, man. Like yeah. I, my kids are in Clovis and I know my teachers care about my kids more than anyone else does. So I want them part. I'm not saying, you know, teachers should get to decide at all, but they should have a seat at that table when those decisions are being made. Because I know, you know, I don't know how many times I would argue with administrators and I would say, if their mom or dad knew what you were saying right now about that student, they would ha- write like, It's so unfair what you're saying, because I always viewed my kids as like, what would I want for my son or daughter? That kid is my son or my daughter. What decision would I want made for them if if it was my kid? And people that are removed from the classroom don't think that way, unfortunately. And that's why I think it's so important for you guys to have a seat at the table. Cause it's best for my my three that are coming through that system. So I'll I'll leave it there too. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's a great, great place to leave it. Uh, okay. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This is this has been a great conversation.
0: Yeah, thank it was, it was awesome. I I I always got time for Ace. so anybody out there that needs anything from me, just talk to me, let me know. Thanks for, thanks for the invite.
1: All right, thanks, sir. Yep. Again, thanks to Ben Avila for joining us. Thanks to him for his service to young people and thanks to his continued support of not only Clovis Unified, but the important work he does all across the Valley for students and for educators. The answer is simple. Those of us doing the daily work with young people should be treated as equal partners at the bargaining table. And as Ben says, the fact that we are not is ludicrous. But those of us at ACE believe that our partnership with CTA is essential. CTA is a nonprofit organization staffed by folks that believe in public education, that believe in the rights of educators, And they believe that young people in the state of California deserve the best. As is clear from Ben's experience, these folks are experts in education. They are in it not for profit, not because they are against something, but because they believe in the power of education. Thanks for joining us. And as always, join the conversation at www.ClovisEducators.org. And on all social media platforms at Clovis Educators. Hope you'll join us next time on the Ace Pod.